Has anybody here been married less than a month? Do you know why you guys love each other so much? Because you don't know each other. That's why you are so in love. Everybody falls in love with the front end of the puppy. Young people today are believing that compatibility and chemistry are everything, but please hear me. Character trumps chemistry every time. Here's where I think we got a little bit off the path with, with the marriage message uh, in marriage ministries around the country. We, there, every, every ministry has this sort of tone to it. God gave you your spouse to beat you down and to suck the life right out of you. So you can be more like Jesus. Well, hey, uh, as we, I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. We're glad you're with us today. We have a great marriage conference coming up March 11th and 12th. Ted Cunningham will be here with us. You need to get signed up for this. It's going to be an amazing Friday evening and a Saturday morning, a little bit in the afternoon. It's going to be awesome instruction on marriage and a lot of fun to boot as you can tell from the video so we hope you sign up for that today you'll hear more about that in a few minutes today i want to talk with you about the second half of our little series called love and commitment last week my wife debbie and i talked about love today we're talking about commitment and the reason we talk about commitment on valentine's day is this if you and i want to experience the deepest part of love the kind of love that you just everybody longs for it's going to take commitment And today, I want to talk with you about what the Bible has to say about that. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just thank you for the day. I thank you, Lord. We can look at your word. It's our guide in all matters in faith and practice. And Lord, I ask that you would uh, guide us in our faith and our practice when it regards marriage and commitment. Because, Lord, we want love, but we want love the way your Bible teaches us to love. So I pray that you'll speak, move me out of the way, teach us what we need to know about commitment today. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. I want to welcome the folks who are worshiping with us in Wetumpka and Pike Road, Cloverdale, and elsewhere on the web. We're glad you're with us today as well. Point one on your outline is this, that Jesus held a very high view of marriage. And after that, if you'd write in and commitment in the space right there, I'd ask you to write that in. If you held a very high view of marriage and commitment. Because again, in God's eyes, and you'll see this, there's no other way for us to experience love as he intended it. There's not. I mean, On Valentine's Day, it's great to give flowers. It's great to give chocolates. It's great to send cards. It's all good. So if you did those things, good for you. But there's more. There's more than flowers and cards and chocolates. And it's going to take commitment to get us there. Jesus talked about this one day. This is from Matthew 19. Some experts in the Old Testament uh, law, the Old Testament scriptures, came to him with a test about this very concept. I mean, is marriage something cheap? Can you just throw it away? What, what, what do you think, Jesus? And they were questioning him. So some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with a question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? I mean, it's a loaded question. And they're trying to get Jesus to take a position on marriage and divorce. And marriage and divorce, is, you'll see this as we go through, is understood just about the same way we do today, that people are in generally in agreement that marriage is a good thing, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, and so they weren't sure where they should stand. A lot of people had lots of debates then, just like now. And here was Jesus' answer. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they're no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. 
Well, then why did Moses say in the law, and they're talking about Deuteronomy 24, if you want to write that in the margin here, first four verses, why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. And Jesus replied, well, Moses permitted divorce as a concession to your hard hearts, but that's not what God had originally intended. If you'd underline that phrase, that's not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Well, Jesus' disciples then said to him, well, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. I mean, Jesus, you're talking marriage for a lifetime and stuff. Man, that's, that's too hard. This is kind of like when your kids are small and you give one of them a candy bar and say, hey, share it with your brothers. It's like, oh, if I got to share it, you keep it. Okay, it's that type of thing. Okay, well, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. Well, not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Now, some are born as eunuchs. Some have been made eunuchs by others. Some chose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. Hmm. I mean, Jesus' statement rang true just then, just like it does now. Let anyone accept this who can. I mean, what if God had more designed for us than just a relationship where, hey, I'll get married to you. If it's good for you and it's good for me, we'll stay in this. What if it wasn't just about getting my needs met? What if there's more, more to love that only commitment can reveal? Well, that's the way Jesus was talking here. And that brings us to a life application right out of the chute here. We should embrace God's original intentions for marriage. And we should, I'm going to argue that we should embrace God's original intentions for everything we do which is why we teach from the Bible all the time. We go back to this. I mean, a lot of people would call this old school, but it's like this is old school when it comes to marriage. If you and I want to find the deepest part of love, if you and I want to get to the middle of the cinnamon roll, it's going to take commitment, okay? That's the best part, by the way, if you don't eat cinnamon rolls, okay? Uh, this is what the Lord says, Jeremiah six sixteen. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path, and then you'll find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. And I wish I could tell you that this no longer applied to us, but it does. I mean, every time I talk to people about the Bible, they say, you can't teach the Bible. How could it be relevant to us today? Yeah, how could a discussion about what Jesus said when he was questioned one day, hey, do you think marriage should just be thrown away for any reason? How could that be relevant? Where do we see that in our society? How could Jeremiah 6.16 be relevant 600 years before Jesus was ever born in Bethlehem, 2,600 years ago where the scripture says, hey, you know, if you go and look for the old godly way, that's when you're going to find rest for your souls, but that's not what we want. My friends, I would tell you this is where we live. We live in a day when you can drive down the street, you can leave here today, and you'll see a billboard on the way home probably if you take the right way, and it'll say divorce is 179 bucks. 179 bucks, you can get out of that marriage. And so we're pretty close to, hey, get divorced for any and every reason. It's only 179 bucks. And what Jesus is saying, no, let's go back to the way God originally intended things. And then we'll understand what marriage is, and then that gives us the right context for even asking your question. So Jesus said, it wasn't that way in the beginning. Well, what was he talking about? Well, he's talking about Genesis chapter 2. Second page of the Bible, Adam has been created, placed in the Garden of Eden. God had him name all the animals, but there wasn't one found suitable for him. So this is what it says. Then the Lord God says, it's not said, it's not good for the man to be alone. 
I'll make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and he closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. And he looked at all the other animals. There wasn't a helper suitable for him. But this one, this one's perfect. She's made from me. And she will be called woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Jesus says that uh, in the Bible, when God looks at a union between a man and a woman in marriage, he looks at the two becoming one. Kind of like if you and I looked at a lock and a key, well, that's one device. I mean, it is. You need both to make it work, and the lock by itself isn't any good. Unless you got some bolt cutters, I guess. I mean, you have to cut it off and throw it away. And the key has no purpose without the lock. But a lock and a key together, well, that can be useful. If I have a fiddle and a bow, well, the fiddle can play good music. But you need a bow to make it play. Without the fiddle, the bow is just a stick. And if you and I want to discover, make beautiful music, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, but anyway, if you and I want to discover all that God has in love for us, well, it takes both pieces. And that's why the note is here, God created us male and female so we can experience oneness by completing each other. You need both parts. And we're never going to understand what love is without it. Ephesians 5, Paul talks about this. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I mean, loving his wife as himself is exactly what, was, what Adam was doing. He said, this woman was taken out of me. Now think about this. Adam was in the garden by himself, God said it's not good for the man to be alone, so he took a piece of Adam and fashioned his rib and fashioned that rib into a woman so she would complete him. So he took the man, took part of him, so he ended up making two people out of that, and then he brought her back and said, now I want you to be one again. Well, why didn't he just leave Adam alone? Why split him into two and then bring him back to be one again? Because this time, for them to be one, it's a choice. He wanted Adam to experience love. It's not good for him to be alone. He'll never know what it's like to listen. He'll never know what it's like to serve. He'll never know what it's like to give and forgive. He'll never know what it's like to put anyone first unless I give him a partner suitable for him. And so in marriage, that's the way God looks at it. He looks at it like a laboratory. This is a lab where I can learn all those things. If I want to get true love on Valentine's Day, well, it's going to take more than cards. If I want to understand... The full benefit here, both pieces are necessary. And that happens through a committed relationship in marriage. And so Jesus said, if you're talking about what I think about marriage, this is what I think about marriage. Let's get back to the original intent or else you're missing the whole point. Now, I know some of you might even be able to say at this point or would say at this point, well, John, that's fine. I mean, that's a Christian understanding, but our culture can't embrace this. I mean, you can't explain modern people to embrace these things. Oh, I don't know. I got on the internet this morning, okay, and I pulled up just because it was Valentine's Day, and I'm a hopeless romantic. Um, Anyway, uh, that's funny, by the way. Uh, But uh, I pulled up online the lyrics. I went to Billboard's website. Uh, They do the Hot 100, the best songs out there right now, and I was just curious Hey, what, was, what were the top 50 love songs ever? And they have on their website a list of the top 50 
love songs of all time, and the number one love song of all time from Billboard's 100, number one, was recorded by Lionel Richie and Diana Ross a number of years ago. It's called Endless Love. Listen to some of the lyrics to this song. My love, there's only you in my life, the only thing that's bright. My first love, you're every breath I take, you're every step I make, and I, 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 want to share all my love with you, no one else will do. And your eyes, your eyes, your eyes, they tell me how much you care. Ooh, yes, you'll always be my endless love. Two hearts, two hearts that beat as one, our lives have just begun forever. Oh, I'll hold you close in my arms. I can't resist your charms. And love, oh love, I'll be a fool for you, I'm sure. You, don't, you know I don't mind. Oh, you know I don't mind. Because you, you mean the world to me. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I've found in you my endless love. Now, how can you say it better than that? The greatest love song of all time today on Billboard's website. And do you know what they said? Two hearts beating as one, and the two will become one flesh. That it's supposed to last a lifetime. There's only you in my life, my first love. We've only just begun. This is my endless love. Do you realize Jesus wasn't forcing on people a concept they didn't understand? Lionel Richie understands this. And we all, and if I could sing it, you'd all sung along. Got, oh, that truly is a great love song. <laughs> so, what are Christians asking? Well, when we do a wedding ceremony, we're just asking people to do more than sing about it. Why don't we do it? If you and I want to experience forever love, endless love, it's going to take commitment, not just flowers, not just a song. It's going to take understanding that we both have a part to play to make the thing work. So here are a few more life application points for us on this Valentine's Day if we want to have endless love. First of all, you and I need to guard our hearts so that we do not become hard against our spouses. I mean, you understand how this can happen. If we don't work through a conflict, there can be unforgiveness and bitterness. If we forget holidays and birthdays, there can be disappointment and anger. If we don't communicate, there can be misunderstanding and misunderstanding. Whew, it goes on and on, and all of a sudden, our hearts become hard. He'll never change. She'll never change. They don't listen. You get the idea. Well, the Lord talks about this too, and this goes back to, again, God's original intent. Listen to what the prophet Malachi wrote, Malachi 2. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? You are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Please underline that. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart, underline that, and do not be unfaithful to your wife. I mean, if you and I are going to find the deepest part of love, we're going to have to guard our hearts so that we don't become hard toward our spouses. I mean, one of the big ideas behind even a a marriage conference to go to and other things is to get lots of good ideas and to laugh and to set aside a special time so you can go and communicate and maybe open up some conversation and do some business so our hearts don't become hard and we can enjoy each other again. 
That's what God wants, but we're going to have to guard our hearts against this. Because the world can be a cruel place, and if we're not careful, we can become cruel toward each other. A second life application is you and I need to work at our marriages. I mean, this isn't going to happen by accident. I hope you caught the part there with the disciples. I've mentioned it before when Jesus said, hey, marriage is for life. And um, no, I don't want you to divorce and just throw things away for no reason. The disciples said, well, if that's the case, it's better not to get married. That sounds like a lot of work. Well, it is. Have you ever noticed the things that are truly worthwhile or worth working for? Has anybody ever noticed that? Yeah, well, it's the same way with marriage. You want to get true love? It's going to take commitment. It's going to require work. Here's one of the places in Scripture, 1 Peter 3. You wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They'll be won over by observing your pure and reverend lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Are we going to do this or not? Are we going to work at this? It's kind of like the story of the guy who went in for a heart surgery. It was pretty risky. The surgery took a couple hours, and, but the doctor was successful. And the doctor watched him for a few days, hoping everything would hold, and it did. And finally sent him home. And, but the doctor was just kind of nervous about that the procedure would last because uh, the guy's life depended on it. So he walked him down to the car himself and helped him get in the car from the wheelchair and stuff. And they closed the door, and he turned to his wife, and he said, you know, you're really blessed. That surgery went so well. This is a, this is a really delicate surgery, and your husband's going to need some time to heal. We're sending him home. I think it's going to be fine, but he doesn't need to be upset for the next couple of weeks. If he asks you for anything, just say yes. He'd make his favorite food. Serve him. Don't fight with him. Whatever he needs, just give him whatever he needs. And she goes, well, why? What would happen? He said, well, if he gets upset like that, I mean, you really upset him. He could die. He said, okay, thank you. And so she got in the car, and they were driving home. And as they are driving home, the husband said, well, what did the doctor say to you out there on the sidewalk? And she said, you're going to die. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's, hey, this is going to take work. It's going to take work. No, here's an important note, too. We make vows about actions, not feelings. Actions, not feelings. Accepting the authority of your husband. Modeling kindness for him honorably treating your wives, gentlemen. All those things, those are actions. If I'm going to treasure my wife and pray for her and care for her and treat her as I should, those are things I can do, not feelings. I can't commit to always feeling goosebumps when I see my wife. I mean, she may not struggle that with me, but no, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Look, anybody who's, I mean, look, this is the way life is. We go through life. There's times when you feel like, man, you could not be more in love, but there's also times when the when the bills are due and you got a head cold, dog just got out. Life isn't just roses and bowl of cherries every day. It's hard. And you're going to have to choose to love then, specific actions. The feelings will come, but you have to choose the actions. And that's what we make vows for, for better, for worse, because there is better and worse in marriage. You and I won't understand love unless we commit to that, for richer, for poorer. If you're married long enough, you'll know both. And in sickness and in health, you'll know that too. So how am I going to get to that kind of love if I don't make this kind of commitment? 
Well, we can't. And that's why Jesus says, if you want to understand what marriage is about, you've got to understand commitment. And you're committed to actions, not feelings. Feelings will come and go. Our culture says that's the way it is. Well, I was committed, but then I just didn't feel it anymore, so I got out. Mm-mm. That doesn't work with anything. Because our feelings change all the time. Here's another life application. You and I need to help each other with our marriages. So this is one of the great things about being in a church. Not only can I work on this, but we can help each other work on this. We can, because we all believe this is good. And so that's why we offer premarital counseling here. It's why we have pastors that will meet with you. It's why, again, it's one of the reasons why we're even putting on this marriage conference. So we can help each other. All this matters. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, could be a sin of bitterness, could be a sin of anger, could be the sin of adultery or lust, could be a sin of a sharp tongue. I don't know what it is. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. This is what God wants for us as a church. That's why I'm talking about this right now. We're not going through this alone. Let's help each other. But let's not just give up on marriage because it's tough. Let's not say, well, that's none of my business. I don't need to be involved with them. Well, we ought to be praying for each other. And when the opportunity comes, if we can say something, if we can bring somebody to a marriage conference, oh, my goodness, and show people, hey, this is how it's supposed to work. You haven't gotten it. It could be incredible. Now, the last point, point two in your outline is this. God will help us and change us if we surrender our hearts and our marriages to him. He promises to help us with this. We're not alone. We can help each other, and God will help us too. He wants us to discover the best part of love. The best part of love is not watching the whole thing fly apart in anger. The best part of love is through commitment, where he'll help us and we can help each other. Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Well, John, how do you square that with the disciples saying, well, if that's the case, it's better not to get married. That sounds too hard. Well, here's the choice. If we submit to God's way, if this is God's way, and I submit to him, and I'm under his covering and his protection, well, my goodness, God can help me greatly there. And he will. He'll give me the strength to forgive. He'll give me the love to forgive. Yeah, it's hard. I'm going to have to admit I'm wrong. I'm going to have to forgive. I'm going to have to swallow my pride, all those things. But the other choice where I say, well, if this is your will and I'm not going underneath it, I'm going to go my own way. Well, think of all the fun you get here. Legal fees, custody battles for vacations and holidays for the next 20, 30 years, angry emails, texts laced with profanity. I see them all the time. We all do. We have friends that are going through all this. Isn't that great? No, it's not. And comparatively, Jesus says, my yoke is easy. and My burden is like, it's going to be work either way. But this way, you get help. This way, you're on your own, and the pain keeps coming. Here's another verse that's important to know regarding this. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. This is Ezekiel 36. 
I will take you, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I'll put my spirit in you so that you'll follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Why am I sharing all that? Well, because this is the hope I want to give you. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, if we've blown it in the past, we come to Christ and say, God, will you take out my stubborn, stony heart and give me a fresh one? Maybe you feel this way toward your spouse. Lord, will you take out the stubborn, stony heart in my husband or my wife? Well, this is what we pray for, and we'll help you, and God will help you because he wants us to experience the best part of love, and that's only possible through commitment when we understand how the whole thing was designed. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the message, we saw it showed the video, and I mentioned a little bit ago, we have this marriage conference coming up. Lisa and Jason Hill are here. If you guys would come on up. They have been involved from the beginning. They're the ones uh, who helped us organize and put on the one last year, the marriage conference, and they're doing it again this year. And Lisa, that's a lot of work, right? A little. A little, okay. But Lisa, why did you, you were passionate, you still are, you were passionate last year, you're equally as passionate this year. Why? Jason and I both came from broken marriages. Um, There's a lot of people out there that have. Um, There are a lot of people that are struggling um, in the marriage that uh, maybe their first marriage. And when we got married, you know, it's one of those things where we felt so blessed that we were able to find each other. But... um, you know, it's not just all about love. I mean, just like you said, we've got to work on it. And so that's the reason why um, we came to you and we said, look, we really, we know a lot of couples out there that are struggling and we want to make sure that we keep our marriage strong. So this is just one way for us to work on it. But we have to remember, we've got to center these marriages around God. That's what makes us strong as a marriage, but as a church as well. Because in your, in your previous marriage, that wasn't the case. It was not the case. Yeah. And so Jason, what would you say to a guy who says, well, that's all well and fine, but I don't have time for a Friday night and a Saturday. That's too much time. It's a small amount of time and a small commitment to make to your relationship. Um, and guys, come on. If, if you're the husband in a relationship, we've got a responsibility for strengthening that relationship and improving it. If she wants to go, it's an easy out. Go. You just <laughs> invested some time. It's 7 to 9.30 on Friday. Saturday morning till 2, we're done. You can slide out, go what you need to do. Put the time into it. And on the positive side, you might get lucky like I did last year. And she might get something out of it and look at you and go, oh, it's really not just you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All men are hard-headed. There we go. There we go. Yeah, all men. Okay, so, Lisa, how do people sign up? All right. Today at every site, um, we have a registration table. Um, so we encourage you uh, to come out there and to register. We've got a limited number of spots, 110 uh, spot, spots for couples. They're going fast. I was extremely impressed after our first service how fast folks came out there. So I'm just going to encourage you, if this is something, guys, that you really want to do and buy that uh, ticket for your spouse, you need to come see me immediately. Thank you very much. Hey, can we give them a round of applause? We appreciate you all very much. Thanks, Jason. Okay, look, here's the whole point. It's Valentine's Day. I, we believe in love here. I just want us to love the way God wants us to love, his original intent. I want us to make the most of marriage so we understand, hey, we both play a part in this to make the whole thing work. Can we pray about that? Father, we are never going to understand commitment or true love unless we understand commitment. And God, we need your help to do that. 
And so, God, would you please help us strengthen our marriages? Right now, in just a moment of silence, would you pray for one marriage that needs help? I doubt there's anyone in this room that doesn't know somebody whose marriage needs help right now. It could be your own. It could be somebody else's. Would you pray for one marriage where somebody needs help? Say, God, would you help them? And if you're married, would you pray for your marriage? And say, God, would you strengthen our marriage? And help me be the husband or the wife, whichever the case, that I need to be. Oh God, I pray that we will embrace marriage as you originally intended it. And we will make the most of every opportunity we have to learn about love and forgiveness and putting another person's needs ahead of our own. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.